Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Avenue Show. Today is Thursday, September 21st, 2023. Two days before the possible end of the world. But we'll talk about that more later on in this show. We're going to start off, of course, with the world of sports. Because that's where Pop DiBiase and I come together. to try to bring you guys the hottest topics of the week and in the week to come. So let's start with the NFL. It's going to be a game tonight. Giants. And the 49ers, we won't spend a lot of time on it, but if you're listening live, Brandon Ayuk is now out. He will not be playing. He will be inactive tonight against the Gigantes. There's not a lot to say about this, Pop, because I think the Niners slam them shut and move on to 3-0. and Giants are a good team. Yes, they are. And, uh, you know, the 49ers are a team that are is playing – on a great le- on a super level right now, and um, they're playing pissed off. You know what I mean? Um, there's a lot to be uh, desired with the with the 49ers. There's a lot of um, you know questions that people are asking about the offense. Is the defense carrying them? You know, um, is is it real or was it just that these two teams that they played against aren't aren't up to par yet? You know, all that good stuff. But the Rams are a rival, so you assume those games will go the way that they go. And also, the Steeler game was a great measure to show, okay, when we play teams that are are supposed to be equal to us, we have to come in here and play at a playoff level. We have to treat this as as if it's a playoff game. Well, tonight, this is going to be a breather game. And a lot of people have to go ahead and try to hold their breath a little bit tonight because this isn't going to be the the walk in the park that everybody assumes it's going to be. It's going to be a hard-fought uh, game, and I do feel that San Francisco can still win this game by two touchdowns or better, but they're going to have to do it late. It's not going to be something that's going to happen early. Yeah, I don't think that this is going to even be a competitive game. I, I don't think they have much of a chance to compete without uh, Saquon Barkley, their best offensive player. After that, right. I mean, most people can't even name a player on offense beyond Saquon. Right. Like, who, are receiver, who are the receivers? Three days receivers? rest, Mike. Backs. Yeah, three I days mean, rest, Mike. Yeah, they they're both on the same the level right now. Yeah, they're not going to move the ball against the Niners defense. Well, we'll see because we we've seen we've seen that we've seen that they said they're not going to move the ball, and then some team winds up scoring thirty five points. I'd, I'd be really, really shocked if that happens. But that's why they play the games. Absolutely yes, right. Sir. You never know. So let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles for a minute. They are 2-0. and Haven't necessarily looked explosive in doing so. You know, they've got some moving parts, you know, a different backfield than the one they had last year. Miles Sanders has gone off to Carolina. And so, you know, they're – they're trying some different things. The running game really isn't totally in sync yet. But what intrigues me is the dust-up between A.J. Brown and their quarterback, Jalen Hurts. A.J. Brown came out today and he said, no, we don't have a beef or anything. We're just emotional. 
I think he actually did have a beef pop. I think he was kind of like, hey, man, two games in, you know, you're, you're feeding Devonta Smith. He ain't feeding me. And that's a typical wide receiver type of mentality. Feed me the damn ball. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson wrote a book about it. Give me the damn ball or whatever it was called. So that's receivers. They want to have targets. They want to have catches. They want to score touchdowns. And so uh, it's a small sample size, two games. And I would think that the Philadelphia Eagles are probably going to incorporate A.J. Brown more and more and more. But this is one of those things you kind of don't want to see in the early season for one of the Super Bowl favorites, unless somehow it kind of brings you together, which they say sometimes. But I, I don't like that kind of strife. You know, I know Jerry Rice wanted the ball, but, you know, he didn't have any sideline blowups with Joe Montana, Pop. Right. A.J. Brown is just its turning into a situation where he knows that the star power is going to start going to Devonta a little bit more because Devonta is a star player. It's, he's a special player, and, and, and you can't hold that up. And if he's the guy that's open, he's the guy that's open. It's, it's just that simple. And even if they had a quarterback that was a Dan Marino type, it would probably be the same scenario because A.J. Brown does demand the triple teams, the double teams, all that stuff because he's that good of a receiver. He's that great of a receiver. Nobody's sticking him one-on-one this year. He was an absolute problem all year long. So the way that they're playing this up is they're going to see if Devonta can kill him. And then they'll go from there. Now what we'll see on Monday night with Tampa Bay is, is Tampa Bay is going to probably go ahead and bring a little bit more coverage over to Devonta's side because they know that the guy just needs five catches to, to make his impact on the game. Uh, you know, a guy like A.J. Brown, he, he, he needs the ball all the time. He needs the screens and the, and the, and the curls and the, and the slants and all that stuff. But they're taking all that away. And you have to understand, Jalen Hurts is a first read quarter is a first read quarterback, and this is what you're going to have to deal with. They have to understand that when they're a physical team, the way that they are, and their running game is everything to making their team exactly who they have to be on a weekly basis. Then you can't always ask for the passing game to be the priority because it won't be. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well. The other thing I look at as well, too, is, you know, they had two games where they could kind of handle their business. You know, they came out of it 2-0. I don't think anybody's surprised about that. Um, but this is kind of when you want to get any of the issues out of the way. And uh, and then you could really start flying, uh, no pun intended, with the Philadelphia Eagles. See, you mentioned Monday night. There, there's a double header again this Monday night. How do you... How do you feel about how ESPN handled the doubleheader? Because I, I kind of didn't like it. You know, why can't uh, you st- stagger them? Why can't you start one at three Pacific time, which is six back east? Start another one like at six Pacific time, like which is which was previously the Monday night football starting time. Why can't you do that? Right. But you know what? They had two starts on the East Coast. Um, but the But you're right, though. Because when they did the double hitters during the pandemic, they were up there putting the double hitter on at they were putting those games on at three o'clock, but they were makeup games. That's why they were doing it like that. And I don't think you don't have anybody there in attendance, so it didn't it didn't really, you know, make a big deal out of that. But I truly do feel like what they had to do for that 
situation is you didn't need to really do a double hitter. You know what I mean? Because who who really wants to watch the Panthers and, and the Saints? I know that the Panthers have the number one pick in the draft and all that good stuff, but that would have been better off being a Thursday night game. You know, and this is why we have a big flux because we have this Thursday night football situation that we really don't need. I think that the league is being a little bit too obsessive with this Thursday night thing and it's really killing the product as we see it uh, today. You know, this is why guys are getting hurt, you know, are gone for the season. This is the, the, the scariest game for me if I'm a fan is me coming out of a, a Sunday game that's brutal and then my guys having to go back out on Thursday and play that play another game against a team that could that might be a little good, it might be a little bad, whatever. But we're putting our top guys at risk, man, when we have – Three days rest. What if we got a guy who has an uh, ankle situation, a uh, knee situation, and he needs to rest for those full four or five days, and he can play Sunday, but he's not going to be able to go on Thursday because he didn't get enough time to do the rehab that he needs to do to play on Sunday. So we are running into a real problem here because it's starting to become a conflict of interest. But, yes, I feel like they did start those games a little bit too close in time. But you, everybody knew what game everybody was going to watch. It was the Steelers and the Browns. The Steelers and the Browns are a primetime game because it's a rivalry matchup. The Saints and the Panthers are a Fox Regional uh, game four. You know this, Mike. Yeah, I don't even see how – at the beginning of uh, the schedule that they even considered it to be a, a, a big game. I think they were hoping maybe that, you know, you got the storyline is rookie quarterback, you know, top, you know, top quarterback from the last draft or arguably the top quarterback from this most recent draft. And, uh, and they probably hoped that he lit up the scoreboard the first couple of weeks and then going up against the uh, KG veteran, uh, Derek Carr uh, early in the season and use that storyline. But I agree with you, man. It's it's not a sexy matchup. But back to the original point, yeah, I, I don't like that they were going on simultaneously. It's like you have the whole day to separate them. Why overlap them? It's just stupid. And you were talking about, well, they're both back east. Okay, well, first of all, New Orleans is in central time. So you could definitely stagger it a little bit more and play with that at New Orleans. But the second thing is, okay, well, how about a noon start time for one? Or one o'clock start time for one? Or two o'clock? Or three o'clock? You can't watch both at the same time. I mean, obviously some people have like multiple TVs and stuff. But if you're not going to get that, you're more likely to get more people watching if you start it earlier. So I don't know. That's, that's enough on that. But the Saints... The Eagles, two teams that we've talked about are two and zero. Cowboys two and zero. Ravens two and zero. Commanders two and zero. Dolphins two and zero. And the Falcons two and zero. Well, you know the Falcons could have easily been one and one. Sure, I'd say more than half those teams are nothing special. Well, what did what did I say? When we did the opening day and talked about opening day, we're gonna have teams that are gonna go two and zero that are never gonna that are never gonna sniff the playoffs, and then we got teams that are gonna be zero and two that are gonna be in the thick of things when we get down to the most important part of the season. 
it's it's like this every year. There may be a team that goes 0-3 that's still going to be in the mix at the end of the year as well, too. I guarantee that's going to happen. And, Are you uh, talking about the Chargers or the Vikings? The Vikings. Because, it could be because one, of them, one of them will it be, could be the Patriots. <laughs> you know, you never know. You know what I mean? Well, but between be those Texas. two teams, we're for sure going to have one, right? Because yeah. the Vikings and the Chargers are both 0-2. So the loser is going to be 0-3 with a pretty nasty hole to try to climb out of. And yeah. if you're the Chargers... You know, you can't ex- if you go to 0 3, you can't expect the Kansas City Chiefs to have a three game losing streak during the year. They'll lose games, but I seriously doubt that they'll lose three in a row. So you can almost kiss the division goodbye, which is crazy to say that not even 20% into the season. Well, you know, one thing that works out for the Chargers is they don't get a division game until they see the Raiders on what next week? So. They have that in their their, their fold. I think that um, – but you're right, though. I think the team that can't afford to start 0-3 is the Chargers because the Chargers' schedule just gets – it just gets way more uphill after after um, this uh, Minnesota game. You know what I mean? It gets even tougher. Minnesota, on the other hand, probably will run into a portion where they can win three in a row after they – if they lose three, three to start the year off. But I'm not – my thing is like this. Let's not throw away teams after three weeks. That's the whole thing. Because this is how I look at it. Every season's every every month is a quarter in the season. And you you might have a quarter where a team goes one and three in that quarter, then they come back out and they go four and oh in the next quarter. So now they're at five and three. Then they're at two and two. Now we're at seven and five. Now then we finish up the season what, 10 and 8 or something like that, or 10 and 7 or something of that nature. Because the thing is, we're not playing the season. We're not going to the Super Bowl in week four. That's the whole thing. But you want to get off on the best possible start that you can. But what you want to do is you want to stay consistent. That's the key, being consistent. And either you're going to be consistently losing or you're going to be consistently winning, one or the other. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on the Chargers because that was one of the teams that you had high hopes on. What's going on in Charger land? Is it just the defense isn't clicking? You know, I know their star running back has been injured. Uh, They're giving up a lot of points. Their point differential isn't terrible. They put up a lot of points. They put points on the board. I think they have the second most uh, scoring points for in in the AFC second to uh, Miami, um, but their defense. And that was supposed to be kind of like the Khalil Mack and uh, Bosa and company. What's going on there, man? Well, I'm going to keep it real. The Chargers could be 2-0 and right now. The Chargers should have won those first two games of the season. They had Miami beat there in the last few minutes of the game. The, the Titans game should have been a win. Because Brandon Staley literally, he lost me because I was somebody who kind of supported to keep him after the 27-0 comeback loss and all that stuff that happened. I said, you know what, give Coach another chance because he did a good job, but the players need to be more accountable. Now I really see that it's his fault because he doesn't know how to manage games. He just doesn't. And what happened was that we got to the 55-second mark. They looked over at the Titans like they needed to call a timeout. 
But Mike Vrabel is from the school of Bill Belichick, so he ain't calling no timeout. He'll let you run the clock and be a fool. He runs the clock down to 30. They run a play. Then they got to call a timeout. They only got 22 seconds left now. So now everything becomes a rush situation. Now we're playing to just kick a field goal for the tie when we know we should be going in there to win the game. What is wrong with you? Herbert set, a, set them up into position to where they you win the game. He got them into the green zone within a minute left to go into the game. Once you get into that area, it's touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I don't even care. You should have said, you know what, we're still going to go for it with five seconds left to go to try to win the game. We know that anything can happen in overtime. So we're not going to play it safe. We're going to try to win the game. I would have respected that a whole lot more because the way that the Chargers were playing, they had it to where they could do that. And I just really feel like, okay, his bold decisions were pretty fun in his first year. But they were questioned. Then he started being too conservative. Now it's just he don't know what he want to do. And I feel like Kellen Moore was kind of a hold up as well, too, because he's being way too balanced. And I felt like the game plan on Sunday, you didn't need to be that balanced. You you knew that you had to have Herbert throw, throw 50 balls at least on Sunday. You know what I mean? And I think they got the running game somewhat shored up with Kelly and Spiller and Dotson playing a three-headed monster situation if they can get some consistency there. But they have to find the consistency there, and the consistency is in the passing game. And Kellen Moore wants to do a balance game, and it's, that's not working. And I think that there's a lot of things that the Chargers just have to just pick up on, and they just got to limit the mistakes. And they really could go into uh, Minnesota and blow them away if they want to. But it's up to their mentality. And another thing is the defense has to get off the field on third down and they got to stop the stupid penalties. The front seven is fine. It's the back end of the defense. It's the same issues that the Raiders got with their secondary where your front seven can play their, play their butts off, but it's always the back end of the defense that kills us. And that's what's that's happening to the chargers at this point right now. Yeah, that's really hurting them. I agree with you. That's you kind of nailed it there. Now, we have to get to a commercial break. Uh, I know that you have uh, uh, some business to take care of, Pop. Are you going to be back for a few minutes into the second segment, or do you want to give out maybe your pick of the week or something before we go? I can do the second segment, but I probably will not be able to finish up the show. Sounds good. So we'll get some of Pop's picks towards the end of this next segment. Stay with us. You don't want to miss that. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. During the break, we were just talking about uh, Drake London, fantasy, and all that kind of stuff. I would think it's probably kind of a fantasy if the uh, fans of ATL think that the Falcons are a good team. But nonetheless, they've started out 2-0. They're going to be heading on the road to face Detroit. Detroit in there is only a three-point favorite. You think that's kind of light Detroit three point favorite against the Falcons pop? Um, yeah, I see that Detroit's a three point favorite, and I'm riding Detroit heavy because I think that what what we're gonna get there is a smoke and mirrors two and and0 team, and the um, Falcons a team that should really be one and one, but you know the Packers just did not play up to the standard that they should be playing up to. Um, at the end of that game, they just didn't close. You know what I mean? Uh, the Packers played three great quarters, but they just didn't close the game. And that's what the problem was. The Lions had a great effort to come back in that game against Seattle in a game that they should have possibly won, but it kind of got away from them a little bit late in the second half. And that's why, you know, the game went the way it did. But, you know, Detroit never got the ball back. So it happens, man. So, Pretty much Detroit goes one and one, but I think that they just, it was just too much pressure on them at home because now the, the city has expectations. It's a, you know, the, the Lions sold out for the first time in years. You know what I mean? I think it's the first time they cleared the full capacity for, uh, Ford Field, um, and since the opening of Ford Field. So that's a pretty great accomplishment because it has been the house of horrors for Detroit. So pretty much, um, you know, it was just uh, excitement that lost, kind of lost that game for them. This week, they can go ahead and breathe a little easier. They got a good assignment here, and they got an easier matchup, in, in my opinion, because you don't have a team in the Falcons who are a high-flying, you know, um, passing team. They're more of a team that is based off the run. But that's a big reason why that team is 2-0 at this point is because their rush game is by far top, one of the best in the NFL, if not the best, because you got 
Ritter, you got uh, Algieri, and you got Bijan Robinson, and they are forming their own version of the old uh, running trio in Atlanta, the old DVD crew. So, you know, that that's uh, a lot of fun, and it looks like they're trying to rekindle the Dirty Bird uh, theme of the old Atlanta Falcons at this moment right now as well, too. Jamal Anderson. You were talking yeah. about the uh, uh, formidable running game. Another team that probably felt that they had a formidable running game, which is another team that you've been high on, Cleveland Browns. You know, Ford is, is a nice backup. Like, teams are going to lose their starting running backs. That's going to happen. I don't think many teams have somebody the quality of Ford to plug into the situation. What do you think about Cleveland's chances moving forward with Ford? Ford was, was a guy that is already somebody the Browns were kind of high on because they felt like he would be a big part of the running game, spelling Nick Chubb and being somewhat more of their, their versatile back, a guy who can be uh, not just a runner, but a uh, receiver as well too. And it showed on Sunday, I mean, on Monday night that he is a versatile guy and that would have worked out beautifully if they could have been able to get that to uh, go down. But one thing I am going to say, though, is this. I know Minka Fitzpatrick can say all he wants that, you know, pretty much he didn't try to do that to Nick Chubb. But I'm sorry, the Steelers have a uh, have a very, very long rap sheet on what they've done to rival teams and uh, their player star players and everything like that. So, you know what? I call BS on that part right there. The Steelers know exactly what they were doing when they did that. And they knew that Nick Chubb was about to have a 200-yard game, and that's why they had to do that cheap play that they did. So, you know, the Steelers, I don't think that they're going to get much of anything this season after that. They're showing exactly who they're truly going to be this year. It's just going to be a bunch of bums out there getting beat up every uh, each week because the Browns should have won that game. I don't care what anybody says. You take back two defensive touchdowns, the Browns win that game by 10. But, you know, it wasn't like the Steelers did something that was spectacular. Their defense won them the game. And I just really feel like when it comes down to the Browns running game, they'll be fine because they got Kareem Hunt, and Kareem Hunt will be the guy. You know what I mean? And they still got Pierre Strong. It's going to be a run-by-committee situation. With that offensive line, they can do some wonders with it, but they just can't put too much pressure on themselves. I think what happened was that the Steelers had a great pass rush going on, and that offensive line – they were going to have a, a bad night regardless of anything when it came to the passing game, but they were doing so well in the running game, and I feel like that's still going to translate into you know the coming weeks as well too because nothing happened to their offensive line. That's the whole thing. And as long as the line is making a, a holes for you and you know how to hit those holes, you should be fine. Makes perfect sense to me. Yep. yep. A couple of teams that are 0-2 right now, Again, it's early in the season, and I get that. But a couple of teams that are 0-2 and just haven't looked that good are the Bears and the Broncos. Now, the Bears' situation is on the verge of collapse. I know that sounds dramatic, but when you have the starting quarterback blaming the coaches two games into the season for his lack of production, that he isn't the leader that we need to move forward with if I'm the Chicago Bears. Simply put, you throw your coaching staff under the bus, you're not 
our guy. That would be my stance as the Bears. You haven't performed, and you're throwing coaching staff under the bus. I yank your ass. They're about to go to 0-3, Pop, heading into Arrowhead, playing the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. I don't see them pulling out a win there. That's a pretty ugly situation in Chicago. And I haven't even mentioned the off-field stuff. We'll just stick to football. Chicago Bears. Ugly situation, isn't it, Pop? Well, you know, the Bears, um, you know, if it was always going to go to the left if they didn't start 1-0. Everybody should have knew that. And um, everybody had high hopes for the Bears this year. Everybody felt like the Bears were turning the corner. They got the uh, most electrifying quarterback in football. You know, that's how they felt coming into the season. Um, they got him a weapon. They got him some weapons, you know what I mean, guys that were good in other places with guys who were past first quarterbacks and things like that. You know, we all we both know this. And, um, you know, um, they took lack of running game. They took away his uh, best running back in David Montgomery, you know, and th- that that's crucial. Kimmich's not playing good football right now, but the key thing for the Chicago Bears that's really killing the Bears right now is the defense. And the, I, and I, uh, I try to get everybody to understand this. If the Bears' defense is not playing up to the mid-monsters of the midway standard and they're just going to be out there being uh, the replacements, then the Bears don't stand a chance at all because they have to have a defense that gets offenses off the field. That's what they that's what they need, and they don't have that. That's the biggest problem with them uh, because it doesn't give Justin the confidence that he can just go in there and go help them win a football game. They're asking him to do Superman-type stuff when your defense is really bad. You know what I mean? And that's what happens to a lot of guys when they're dealing with the team, when they're dealing with the bad defense. Now, if you switch Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson right now, the Browns would probably be 2-0, to be honest with you. Because I know that he's not having any issues making those throws uh, this year, Justin Fields. It's just that guys aren't open. And I think that Justin Fields is just frustrated with the situation because he knows the the end point of being a Chicago Bear. They ruin people's careers, and he can see the writings on the wall. But you're very right about that, Mike. He did not need to go out and blame the uh, coaches to the media. That's something that we talk about in the back. That's something that we don't bring out here to the forefront. And you know you're in Chicago, so the moment you bring this up, it's going to become the the radio talk story of the week. And then you have to do dumb stuff like hugging it up with coach to say that it's all love here. We know it's not all love here. We know that everybody kind of wants to out now because they understand how toxic of a situation it is in Chicago. And it's just that that simple. You got a team that has high, high hopes to be a team that's relevant in the league right now because they gave themselves the idea that they were in a wide-open division. And in reality, it's still the Packers and Vikings division to decide. And the Lions, you can show us if you're going to do something. You still haven't proved any points yet. That's great. You've been good the last two second halves of the season the last two years in a row. But you got to play a full season this time around, fellas. And you know what? Uh, it's looking like the same movie all over again. And, you know, um, really, in reality, I feel like the Bears might need to say to themselves, you know what? 
we couldn't move off this thing because I know there's three or four teams out there where that would probably take Justin Fields right now. Or we just move off this coach because that coach has never been a good fit for that team anyway. Right. Yeah, that's how I feel. And, that, and you know, and another thing, I didn't finish my point about the Chargers real quick, but I feel like this week if the Chargers lose the game the same way they lost the game the first two weeks, Spanos has no choice but to fire Staley. No choice. You got to get rid of him. Yeah, I have been. I just, just have not it. been impressed with the guy. I just have not been impressed with the guy. Right. So I you gotta, people got to stop using his his little, you know, because somebody said the other day, well, you know, he's fighting cancer. Well, you know what? I, that's very unfortunate, and we're happy that you beat cancer and everything like that, but that has nothing to do with you coaching this football team. And – that shouldn't be some way to keep you as the coach. You know what I mean? Because if you can't coach, you can't coach. It's just that simple. And it's not that you can't coach. It's just that you can't lead this team. Now, a guy that's proven that he can lead teams, Sean Payton, Super Bowl champion head coach, he's on the verge of going 0-3. They're going to go into Miami this weekend as an 0-2 team. The Dolphins come in uh, are going to host the Broncos, sitting pretty at a 2-0 record. You know, I was a big defender of Russell Wilson because I was looking at I'm like, you know, they made a terrible hire for head coach. This guy's changing teams. He's his is receiving receivers all were hurt. We could draw a line through last year Russell Wilson. But now he's got more pieces in place. He's got the right head coach. They're about to go 0-3. What are your thoughts about the Orange Crush? Because they ain't crushing. Well, you know what, Mike? Let's keep it real, dude. The Dolphins, yeah, that's they got a cute little story going right now and everything like that. But dude, let's not let's not just already go ahead and this 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 you know this credit with you know, what the Broncos could possibly do on Sunday to the Dolphins because I felt like the Dol- the Broncos were a much better team on Sunday than they were week one because they figured out some things offensively against a commander's team. I felt like possibly had a better defense than the Raiders' defense. I think the Raiders just know the Broncos well enough to where it was it was good that that they had they knew their tendencies you know what i mean and they they were aware how to kind of go about it one thing i will give mcdaniels is he can game plan that's one thing he can do he he knows how to his coaches know how to game plan for certain games in certain spots but i truly do feel that you know if they called the right call. Possibly we go to overtime and the Broncos win. I think that the Broncos got a little bit of a jolt of some momentum that said that, you know what, man, we got this. We can take care of this. You know what? We came up short in our first two games. Let's go ahead. We're going to get out here on the road. We don't have the pressure on us right now. It's Miami with the pressure now because now everybody's looking at them as if they're the 72 Dolphins or they're the uh, Dan Marino, Don Shula uh, boys and things like that. Everybody's excited. But let me tell you something about this uh, Denver Broncos secondary. They don't have the same issues as the Raiders and the uh, Chargers. They got probably one of the best pound-for-pound 
secondaries in the league. It's just they spend a lot of time on the field. And this is like a mismatch for them in a sense because I know Tyreek Hill, Waddle are track stars and all that stuff, but these guys are really big. You know what I mean? That they're that they're going against Pat Sertan um, and others that are in that uh, group as well too. And they're not just going to be able to get all these over-the-tops and these slants and all that stuff. So the passing game is going to be – might get a little limited, uh, Mike, in my opinion, on Sunday when it comes to the uh, Dolphins. Will they be able to figure it out in the run game? And I think that, that that's a big possibility as well. Your boy Raheem Mozart has shown that he's one of the faster backs in the league and that people need to really stop sleeping on him as well too because he was absolutely a gem Sunday night when it came to closing the uh, Patriots. And that's where I know where – feel good about the Dolphins is because they're closers. They know how to close football games. And they showed that Sunday in New England, and they showed that week one in Los Angeles as well, too. And that's one thing that separates the good team from the great teams. And that's what Miami has figured out here early in the year is how to close the game. But I just truly feel like the Broncos are going to be a big issue for them. It's going to be one of these uh, trick tricky uh 0-2 versus 2-0 games because Mike you know this we get games where you got a team 0-2 and a team 2-0 and that 0-2 team comes in there and wins by three touchdowns I'm not saying that the Broncos do that but we're probably going to get a game where a 0-2 team wins by double digits against a team that's 2-0 this weekend that's all I'm saying I'll I'll do a really quick defense for Russell Wilson before we go to break here he has fallen to 0-2 multiple times in Seattle and made the playoffs. His numbers this year look like a significant improvement compared to last year. Small sample size, I know. Their big problem is, and you nailed it with the Dolphins, they've been finishing games. The Broncos are the opposite. They have not been finishing games. In the first half of the last couple of games, they've been pretty good. Offensively, they've scored five times. Five touchdowns on eight possessions. Five out of eight. But in the second half, they're kind of almost like 0 and 8. Technically, they're 1 and 1 for 8. But that one came on a Hail Mary 50 yard. Outside of that, they haven't scored in the second half. So that's a big problem with the Broncos. We're going to take our final timeout. We'll come back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Avenue show, we are heading to the final segment here, and uh, if you hear some background noise, my man is taking the show on the road, so much props to him for uh, carrying the heavy lifting while he's taking care of business. Now, you, you talk about complete teams, and... When you say that, you're saying that they've got a good offense, a good defense, and a good special teams. Obviously, I haven't taught anybody anything new. But when you talk about incomplete teams, typically you're talking about one area. You know, they're good, but they don't have a running game, or they're good, and their pass rush is inferior or whatever. Right now, the Cincinnati Bengals are an incomplete team in every area. Offensively, defensively, special teams, they're doing nothing. And we gave them the excuse in week one that they're playing an up-and-coming Cleveland Browns team. Uh, they're playing in the rain, etc. But the Bengals haven't done nothing. Their passing game has been anemic. They've been a great disappointment for a for a team that's predicted to be a Super Bowl team. Now, my man, Pop DiBiase, has been on it. Because before the season started, he said this ain't going to be a playoff team. I didn't buy it. A couple of games in, now I'm kind of like, you know, Pop maybe has a point. This is an incomplete team. They're playing like an incomplete team. Uh, here's the thing. If Joe Burrow's hurt, they, they could ill afford losing more games. So he's listed as questionable, but it kind of sounds like they may protect him this game. Pop, if they lose this game, go to 0-3, that's a pretty tough division, man. Baltimore looks like uh, they're going to find sneaky ways to win each and every week. And Cleveland is going to be uh, tough as well. It's going to be tough sledding for Cincy, man. What do you think? Well, I think Cincy is okay. Because as I keep saying – the AFC North is probably the toughest division in football. And when they give you two division opponents to start the the year off, then that's going to always be a tough, tough situation for you. Now, when it came down to playing the Browns, Joe Burrow had no preseason. He wasn't practicing. He was trying to make everything work. And it's a house of horrors for the man in uh, Cleveland. It's just that simple. So pretty much um, what happens is, is that, 
you have a guy who's who's trying to get into the the groove of the season and it feels like he played in two preseason games. It's a lot of rust out there on Joey Burrow right now. And I think that um he's not getting enough from Jamar Chase right now either because I feel like Jamar Chase might be a little out of shape coming into the season as well too. He's not moving as fast as he usually does. I know he'll he'll get it it'll get on as it it'll get on as we go. T Higgins seems to uh be a guy playing with a little bit more pressure because, you know, he's trying to get that contract. He's thinking about the dollar. So he's trying to do his absolute best. And Joe Mixon is probably the one guy you don't complain about, but he's not getting a lot of support from this defense. They, I'm not, it, well, not the defense, but he's not getting a lot of support from the offensive line. The defense, um, they got some playmakers on the defensive side, but they're just spending way too much time on the field. So that's why they're having such a, a tough time you know, holding teams, you know, to uh, under 27 points each game out, you know, and um, they also have a very, very keen way of, you know, not really trying when they need to. That's the biggest problem with the Bengals. I feel like they keep throwing up the white flag a little bit too, too early in drives and things like that and hoping that, they'll find something later on in the game. And we know that a lot of that stuff that came against the Ravens was junk time. You know what I mean? Junk points and junk yardage and things like that. But the Ravens thoroughly went in there and dominated. And that's a team that had a vendetta with the Bengals. They lost three in a row to them last year. So why not? And I think they had lost the last five in a row to them going into the game. So, you know, they was just uh, uh, how, how the, the role is uh, how these teams come at each other. The Browns just are really good against the Bengals at home over the last five years, and Joe Burrow is no exception. And then the Ravens just needed to have that for their ego, for their pride, that they because they were really embarrassed by the uh, Bengals last year. And when this team is the team that sent you home last season, you play with a little bit more motivation in that game. Oh, it makes perfect sense, man. So. You know, we talked about a couple of the games already, the Dolphins and the Broncos. We alluded to the Chargers and the Vikings. Overall, week three, there aren't any must-see games. It's kind of a week week three. Eight, eight of the games, so a majority of the schedule, the favorite is between six and a half and twelve and a half. You don't see that very often. But when you have eight games where there's heavy favorites, you know that their favorites aren't going to go 8-0. So aside from it being there's no games that are must-see games, who are the weaker favorites that you want to exploit this week, Pop? Who is the long shot that you're like, you know what, forget the spread. I'm taking this, I'm taking this horse to win. I'm going to get that juicy money line. Any of those eight games jump out at you? I'm going to keep it real with you. The game that jumps out at me is going to be that um, Commanders at home with the plus six and a half. I already circled that plus 220. That's the good news only dog better the week right there. The good news only that's Doug O'Neill's Doug O'Neill's 
one of his uh, racing uh, outfits because Doug's one of my sponsors for the NFL Bet Exchange. So that's the sponsor that we use for Good News Only. And so when we do the the dog bet of the week, it's the Good News Only dog bet of the week, and it's going to be the Commanders plus 225 at home. Let's get it. Sam Howell, Eric Bieniemy. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Because Eric Bieniemy made me a believer in Denver when he looked at the, his offense and said they were down 21-3. He said, don't worry about a thing. I'm going to fix all this for y'all. And looked up. Those boys was up 32-31. to 31. They were up, what, 33-21 to 30, 21 before we even were able to blink because he was able to just put them out there and just uh, – make the adjustments and get these guys going. And they did that against a Denver team that does know how to stop an Airbnb offense. And I was like, well, this ain't the Chiefs. And they were still able to uh, drop uh, 30 – what was it? Um, they got 35 in the game. Yeah, so they were still able to get their 35 points on the board in that game. And they scored 20 the week before. So I like the way that this team is, is moving the ball. And I think that they'll have enough to beat the Bills come Sunday. Because the Bills, I feel like they still are a work in progress at this point, And they fully won't turn on to being the Bills that we know until Von Miller gets there. Beating the Raiders was not that big of an accomplishment. They had to make up for that loss on Monday Night Football, that a game they shouldn't have lost. And the Raiders, we've already talked about it, the Raiders are not quality this year. They're a team that's going to probably lose four, then win two. That's going to be the Raiders' season all year. The game that jumps out at me, Pop, with an eight-and-a-half-point underdog is the Texans. The Texans getting eight and a half from the Jags. And I'll tell you why. Historically, that's been a super close series. Mm-hmm. They always end up like knocking out the other. The, the worst between the two teams typically knocks out the better between the two teams. We've seen that time and time again in this series. The other thing about it is I haven't been like super impressed with the Jags so far. And I think a lot of this the rationale for this point spread is people thinking, oh well, they they really uh, kept up with the Kansas City Chiefs. They kept up with one of the best teams. Jags must be good. Well, truth of the matter is, Kansas City Chiefs just haven't been playing that great, anyways. So it almost doesn't matter who the opponent opponent was. The Chiefs aren't going to be blowing anybody out in this early part of the season. They're not in sync yet. So I think it's more a factor of the Chiefs not playing well than it was the Jags playing well. I like the Houston Texans. I think they got a shot to win this game straight up, Bob. That's my upset of the week. A non-long shot that, that I like is the Cleveland Browns. Now, last week, my play of the week was the Tennessee Titans over the Chargers. I said, I like that one straight up. Don't even need the point spread. And they won straight up. They didn't need the point spread. This week, I'm going against the Titans. Titans going to Cleveland. A lot of the money is going on the Titans. I'm going the other way with it. I think people are underestimating how good that defense is, as you've been pointing out, Pop, and that they have a very, very, very good running back as a backup that's going to be plugged in there. So I'm not looking at this game where I'm discounting it because Chubb's gone. I don't think there's much of a discount, to be honest with you. 
Now, I'm not saying he is Chubb. He's a different type of running back. But he's very effective. And I don't think that they're going to lose the game due to the running game. So those are my plays for the week. Pop, do you have any other plays aside from long shots before we have a word or two about baseball? Um, I'm going to give you my top – I'm going to give you five five – my my best five plays. I already gave the commanders money line. Um, also, I go ahead and I know you're not going to want to hear this, but I don't care what anybody says. I love the Bears with the plus thirteen. I'm not saying they Ooh. win the game, but they're going to make this game much more closer than everybody thinks they are because Justin Fields is going to be inspired to keep up with Patrick Mahomes come Sunday to show that he ain't no slouch. And um, I also like the. Um, I really do like. The Cowboys uh, with the two-touchdown win on Sunday, and I, and I hate those type of spreads, especially on a road team, but the Cowboys are just really that good. And I know it's going to be tough because Trey, Trey's out, but still, I think that they're going to still have enough to beat them down pretty easily. I like that a lot. And then also the Eagles five and a half, I feel like that's free money right there because the Bucks are going to really – have some issues because this is the best defense that they're going against um, this year, and Baker's going to just really probably have a meltdown. And then I like the Bengals to win their first game of the season against the Rams. I know that Joe Burrow I'm hearing right now is possibly a 50-50 for Monday night, but I don't really care. I think that they'll still be able to beat the Rams because the Rams, you know, they just – I don't think that they're going to travel well for this game, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. But that's five, right? Did, did I give you five? Yes, sir. That's good okay. stuff. Okay, okay, so before we is. head out here, yeah, so before we head out here, um, you've got to be feeling good about your brew crew. You've been on the Brewers for a while. Looks like they've put this division away. They're seven and a half games up. Speaking of the number seven, how about those damn Padres, man? They've won seven in a row. Why were they doing this earlier in the year? They did, they're doing this when it's too late. Two weeks ago, it would have been unimaginable to say that they're going to pass the Giants. Uh, but it looks like they're about to. They've bridged the gap quite a bit. They've been on a winning streak. The Giants haven't been playing well. And I bring up the Giants as to conclude this show because kind of a little bit disappointed that the Giants and Dodgers doesn't mean anything this year, Pop. Yeah, usually, well, you know. It's big. It's usually big, not this year. Well, you know, it can mean something this weekend because it's the last, it's the last uh, ditch effort. But and knowing the Dodgers, they would love to go ahead and sweep the uh, Giants just to go ahead and just, you know, get some get back. Because I'm telling you, man, this is this is the Dodgers don't care about the Giants not being able to make no playoff. Because no, the Giants really don't, don't care about the Dodgers making no, making no, no playoffs. No, neither them do. And that's a perfect note to close the show on because I don't think the MLB is considering the Giants as a contender this year. They are done, in my opinion. That's all the time we got for this week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Thank you to Voice America. Thank you to Pop DiBiase. We will see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.